0: Śrīla Gurudev ki jāye, Śrīman Mahāprabhu ki Śrī Hrīnaṁ Śmīkiyattin ki jāye, Śrī Jagannath Purīdhāma ki jāye, Gaur Bhaktavrinda ki jāye, Gaur Pramānda Hari Hari Goh. So, pranam to all of you. <clears throat> Welcome, thanks for coming again. Greetings from Sri Chetra, Sri Jagannath Puritam And we are continuing today with our weekly series of Q&A that we have begun last week. Hopefully we can make it sustainable as much as possible. That will depend at least 50% of you all, so please help me with that. <laughs> thank you for being there. So, as usual, we will receive questions, whatever topics you would like to to share, to speak about, you are most welcome to do so. I'm seeing there is already one question sent by Nam Rasa in the chat. And I already have also two questions that were sent to me today in the morning, by by Balaram Prabhu from uh, New Zealand, Mm -hmm. since for them the timing is really complicated, now it's like midnight for them. Uh, he's finding difficult to attain life, so he sent me some two questions to address. So I will begin with the first one coming from him, since that was the first one being sent then we can continue with Anvrasas and then maybe the second one or whatever other topic you may like to share as well. So, <clears throat> let's see. So, the first question sent by Balaram Prabhu is saying I would like to ask about the place of modern psychology or modern counseling in the life of the Sadaka and that some devotees say that why will you need counseling when we have Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> okay, so that's basically the question. and. Uh, some thoughts about that. Of course, the the line of thought seems uh, familiar. It's not the first time you're hearing this type of of proposals basically, no? like why psychology? We have Bhagavad Gita, why this, we have that, we have Srinam, why this, we have that, and so on. So and there is a place for saying all those things, but in brief, of course, in just, in just the reply to this question, we'll have to do it all depends on, on each one's adhikar. Mm. As much as you walk the talk, you can say that, mm. but the point is, you can say that maybe for you. Maybe you have the, the adhikar, and the eligibility <coughs> to just embrace the Gita and found their all psychology, all support, all knowledge, all everything, all food, all water, or pran, everything you need to maintain your life in a sustainable way. But the point is, probably not everyone else has that capacity. So we should also have that, the capacity of not only ascertaining our capacity, but also being expert in ascertaining the other one's capacities that has a lot to do with becoming a Madhyam, a progressive Vaishnav, which knows how to relate with each person. And of course, before knowing how to relate with each person, you have to know where each person is at.
1: Hmm.
0: So, if that's not clear and you are just, let's say, expecting the whole world to act according to your own Adhikar, that, not may, that may not be very sensitive from our part. And that may even speak about our own Adhikar. <laughs> no, because we may think we may have certain Adhikar and we may expect the whole world to adjust to that. But the more we think in those terms, the more actually we may not be having that Adhikar we think we have, if we will. So, of course, it all becomes evident when we have to relate with others, as we always say, it's relatively easy to, I don't know, to live in a cave, if you will, and isolate from humanity, and, and think that we are really self-controlled, and we are really self-sufficient, and we have reached a certain particular stage of insight, there is this famous story of the yogi, who, who went to the Himalayas and stayed there like for more than 20 years by himself, eating some roots, and not relating with anyone, and at, at one point feeling well, I think I've reached a considerable degree of of yogic attainment. Mm-hmm. So he heard there was a Kumbha Mela to be done that year in Haridwar. So he thought, I will go to the Kumbha Mela, I will, I'm, I'm enough sense control to be there and maybe probably everyone else will also grasp my Adhikar or whatever. <laughs> And it is say that he went there, and of course, there were millions of people, suddenly. Uh, and at one point, he was in, in, in the river, reciting his oblation. Some other person went and stepped on his toe, on his feet. And he became really annoyed. Mm-hmm. And he said, what, what are you doing? Don't you know who I am and all this stuff? And the other person, yes, he said, yes. Mm-hmm. Now I know who you are, basically. <laughs> now that you are reacting in that way, I can see where you stand on. No? So, the point is, basically, uh, after fifty, twenty-five years in the cave, he thought something, but after five minutes of relating with other people, he realized something else. No? So, we should be open mm, to be put to test in, 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 in the in community, in the context of community, because at least, especially for us Gaudias, our ultimate goal is not to live in a cave. Our ultimate goal is not perpetual isolation, but perfect integration of reality in, 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 in communal community terms, mm-hmm. in the community of Golog, Golog Nabadi, Golog Brindav. Mm-hmm. So that's a general way of replying to the question. But of course, I will continue saying something more. The first six chapters of the Gita deal with the psychology of the Gita. The other six chapters deal with the theology and so on. So, we could say, there is place again for saying, yes, there is psychology in the Gita. And uh, if you are I mean, able to draw, to extract this, this, the substantial elements that the Gita is presenting in terms of psychology, you may not need to go to a psychologist. I'm not saying that every single person needs to make thera- to have therapy, to go with therapy with some psychologist or something. So, it's possible. More than possible. But again, the idea of we have the Gita, why do you need that? We we can also apply that same criteria in so many levels. With so many levels. We have this famous example of the devotee that was with Mahaprabhu and the devotee was just simply looking at the cover of the Bhagavad Gita I was crying profusely. He didn't know how to read. So he was not able to read the Gita, actually. But he was able to Look at the cover, and he was crying and crying. And when Mahaprabhu asked him why are you are crying so much, people thought he's crying because he doesn't know how to read the book, and because everyone is doing bullying on him, that's why he's crying. But Mahaprabhu realized no, he's crying for something else. So he said, Well, I'm looking at this cover, and when I see how Bhagavan, master and controller, and Ishvara Parameshvara, supreme personality, is driving the chariot of Arjuna is be, is becoming the servant of his servant, conquered by his love. I cannot, I mean, I cannot contain myself, it's too much. So Mahaprabhu, of course, embraced him and started to cry with him and told him, you have really understood the Gita, even though you have not op- opened the first page, even though you do not know any single verse, you're able to draw the, the the essence of the Gita just based in the cover, so I can say the same. Now, someone will say, "Why psychology? We have the Gita." Hmm? I, I could say, "Why open the Gita? We have the cover." <laughs> but many people will say, "No, no, Maharaj, that's too. I, I'm not able to, to. I don't have that the of that devotee. I need to read the Gita." Okay, no problem. So in the same way, you need to open the book. Some other people may need to open another books apart from the Gita. <laughs> But in the context of aligning themselves with the Gita, that's an important point, of course. Here the important point is not so much if I'm having a psychologist or not, but how much that is helping me in my devotional project. Because if, if we just resort to this, how to say, like very simple lines, no? we only have the, only the Gita is okay, or the Buddha is saying, uh, I don't know, Srila Prabhupada gave us everything, everything is in Prabhupada's books, we don't need to read anyone else's books. This type of, not simple mentality I will say, but simplistic mentality. It's not the same thing to be simple and to be simplistic. To be simplistic is more kind of a reductionistic mentality, where you don't want to deal with the complexity that begs for integration, as I always like to say. So we, if we want to progress, to be progressive Baishnaps, we need to integrate complexity, all those things that still remain there, as what uh, Richard Rohr will call necessary suffering, mm-hmm. those things that you need to go through to integrate in your life to become a wholesome person. So, and then you can be simple. Then you can reach the simplicity of Braja if you will. Then you can reach the naivete of the brajavasis, the innocence there, by first going to so much complexity that you need to harmonize as a human, as a sadhaka. If you want to, 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 to avoid that, in the name of being simple, you are actually being simplistic. In the name of being essentialist, you are actually being evasive. So yes, Prabhupada gave us everything because he gave us everyone else, as my Guru Mahesh likes to say. Everything is in Prabhupada's books. Why? Yes, because in Prabhupada's books he's pointing to so many other books also. So, Sila Prabhupada is not a sectarian personality. He's, not, he's coming to give us, not only himself, but the gift of the whole parampara. Mm. He's not isolated in the chain of disciples succession. Mm. So, in his books he's given us so many others, mm. Acharyas. Mm. He's recommending, read this book, read this other book. So, yeah, in that sense, everything is there. Mm. So we should be mature in how we understand these terms. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the both also say this idea of chant and be happy. Mm-hmm. That's all. Why the need of complicating your life that much? <laughs> and uh, yeah, but the point is for many it may not be working yet. No? I mean, So I would like to say between the chant and between the be happy there is a big Spacious parentheses, some brackets, with so many things to consider mm. in the context of chanting, so that chanting takes you to real happiness. Mm. But before expecting to be happy, because sometimes the idea of being happy may be, again, another form of evasiveness, trying to escape from certain things we need to, to solve, and we just need, want to be happy. Sometimes the be happy means I want to enjoy, basically, I want to be entertained, I want to exploit it. So chant is not in that connection. Chant means try to, as as Mahaprabhu starts saying, (coughs) Marjanam. Arjanam. Chetudarpanam Marjanam means try to embrace your subconscious, basically. That's the beginning of chanting. And that may not sound too much happy. (laughs) That may sound the opposite. But it's part of the real happiness project. So between chant and be happy, there are so many things to consider. If we want to really chant, and to really understand what's real happiness. Mm. So in the same way, mm. to go to the Bhagavad Gita, so many things to consider. Mm. It's not enough just chant and be happy. Once my Guru Maharaj was given a lecture, and he was trying to go into detail into so many aspects of our Siddhanta and Tatlan, our philosophy. So at the end of the class someone asked him, uh, Maharaj, uh, one question, why so much? Why? What's the need of all these things you are speaking about? All these detailed explanations? Why to make it so complicated? Basically, was the idea the process simple? Chant and be happy. Why only just chant? Was basically the proposal of this person. So my guru Maharaj looked at him and asked him, "You tell me, are you only chanting?" and that's enough for you, and you do not need to hear anything else, do anything else, do you have that lifestyle?" And the person of course says, no, (laughs) no, it's not enough for me to chant. So he says, well, that's why I'm explaining all these other things, because we are not yet able to take full advantage from only chanting. Hmm. Actually chanting implies not only sitting and chanting, but leading a whole lifestyle that accompanies, the chanting. That sets the proper uh, ground and context, so when we sit to chant, <clears throat> everything else is, is in place and we are not just totally dysfunctional and distracted with our mind running in a thousand directions before we have not solved those things. So when we sit to chant, the last thing we are doing is chanting actually. <laughs> so that's my point, in the context of chanting in the best possible way, sometimes we may need to solve some other things that externally seem disconnected from the chanting, disconnected from the Bhagavad Gita, whatever. But actually, if we have the proper conception, the proper orientation, we will be doing those things in the service of that, you know, in the context of uh, becoming a more uh, integrated, if you will, Sadaka. Hmm. That's very, very important, again. Because, again, we, if not, there are so many, we can abuse... So many quotes from Shastra, no? for example, the same person that tells me, Maharaj, why psychology, we have the Gita, I can quote sukadev Goswami saying, why a bed? There is grass. Why a pillow? You have an arm. This is a famous verse of Sukadev Goswami. What's the need of running here and there for food? Are the trees not giving any longer fruits? Are the grass totally extinct? What the need of a bed? Now, of course, it's Sukadev Goswami, <laughs> but probably for most of us that may be too much, and we may still a bed, need a bed and a pillow, and and, and go to the market, or the same with Pariksit Maras. We were speaking the other day in Janmastami, when Sukadev Goswami was testing him and telling, after just summarizing the whole Krishna Lila in two verses to create longing in 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 the raj, I say maybe you can, according to Vishwanath Kirti, maybe you should rest now. Already are. Four days have passed, you had no food, no drink, no rest. Maybe you can take a rest and or, or maybe we can even finish here the whole session. No? So he was testing his disciple and of course Parekhsi Mara said no, no, no. Because of hunger and thirst is that I put the, a garlanded the sage with the snake and I got cursed. No? So now your katha is being my food, your katha is being my water, your katha is being my pran. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 that's sustaining me. I don't need to sleep, I don't need to eat, I don't need to drink. Mm. That was Pariksim Maharaj's standard. One week mm. near Jal, if you will, mm. but totally feeding himself, feasting on the Bhagavatam, if you will. Mm. But again, can we imitate that? Of course, we should follow, follow in the footsteps. Anushara, which is different from Anukara. Anukarana means imitation. Uh, which may end in a dysfunctional model and anusarana means f- follow the essence of that thing which means being inspired with that understanding which is the position of that person and which is my position and only understanding the two positions I can really draw realistic inspiration because if I just imitate something that is totally unsustainable it's not really inspiring for me even though externally I may seem totally fired up it will be a superficial thing, it's not really nourishing my faith, my process, my sharanagati but if it's anusara, if I can really detect what's the standing of that person and contrast that, where is my standing and what can I learn from that, what can I apply from that in my particular situation oh, I can draw so much inspiration by becoming uh, balanced, basically that's a, the that's a way of yoga the Gita speaks about yoga from page one till the end. All the chapters, as you know, are about the type of yoga, if you will. Vishada yoga, Sankhya yoga, Karma yoga, Jnana yoga, Karma sanyas yoga, Dhyana yoga, and so on. All, all, all the chapters are named after yoga. And in sixth chapter, which is the last one of the first six, we deal with psychology. Krishna very nicely says, Yukta ara biharasya, Yukta chastasya, karma su Yukta Yoghava bhava very very famous verse. When he says to Arjuna the word yukta, as you may have may have heard many times, yukta ahara bihara asya, yukta se sekaramasu yukta sapna abhabodasya, bhava dukkha. If one is regulated hmm, in whatever one is doing, in recreating, in recreation, in working, hmm, in, in sustaining one's life through some particular work, in sleeping, in the time one remains awake, basically everything one does along one's life. If one is yupta, yupta means, yeah, basically balanced hmm? or authentic with one's own situation. bhavati Dukkha One can really, uh, how to say, eliminate all types of distress through the practice of yoga, Mm -hmm. so the point is to be balanced, Mm -hmm. so of course with all these things I'm mentioning there's place for modern psychology (laughs) a modern counseling in the life of the sadhaka, if that's really uh, the necessity of the person, of course one can be distracted by that, that's also possible, let's not go to either both extremes, not to say that's Maya literally, because not necessarily maya, that's material, that has nothing to do with the transcendence, that's not necessarily the case. Something is material as much as I do not see it in connection to the center, in connection to its source, as much as I do not contemplate reality with the lens of some bandagyan, as much as I do not have Shastra Chakshu or scriptural eye, to see reality and how everything is potential paraphernalia to be engaged in the service of Bhagavan. As much as I do not do that, that much whatever I'm doing, seeing is material, Mm. is maya. Maya basically means to see something as it is not, basically. Mm. To see something isolated from its real function, from its real connection with the center. Mm. So, Sambana means that knowledge that shows me how everything is in connection to the center. That's a very definition of yukta-vairāgya, hmm. Rūpa mentions that. anasaktasya which means proper renunciation doesn't mean to reject everything but to see everything in connection to Krishna and to engage that appropriately, properly, 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 correspondingly. Hmm. Of course, not everyone may need that for example, there is a place for psychology being used in the context of uh, upgrading our human situation so we can become a better sadaka. But it doesn't mean that because there is a purpose for that, everyone has to do that, not necessarily. But at least you have to see how every single thing, everything that exists, basically that it is allowed to exist, it, it, it does so because it has some connection with the center. So that should be our healthy obsession, how do I establish that connection? Because as long as I do not do establish that connection, I'm in a dangerous position basically. I'm out of context with reality. So there is a place that everything becomes part of the Bhakti project, that everything becomes part of of the transcendental culture. Srila Jeeva Goswami, uses these terms, Swarup Siddha Bhakti, Sangha Siddha Bhakti. Of course, all, all other terms as well Arup siddha bhakti, but in this case I concentrate in these two. Swarup Siddha Bhakti means those activities which are inherently bhakti, like Kirtan, Sadhu Sangha, Sravan, and so on. So you do them and they are directly, intrinsically bhakti. And there are other activities which are not inherently bhakti, like going to the psychologist, <laughs> Having a shower, <coughs> preparing lunch is not bhakti in itself, but it can be bhakti it has to be it has the potential to become part of the bhakti project, and that 's called Sangha Siddha bhakti. It has the potential of attaining perfection by being connected with bhakti but being making you make make that part of your bhakti project and again, being a bhakta means being a sadhaka before being a siddha I need to be a sadhaka and to be a sadhaka has to do with dealing with my humanity in the context of attaining divinity because our ultimate goal of life is divine humanism in Brahma Lila in sorry Krishna is not a Lila human-like everyone there is human-like so hum- there is a place for humanity in eternity so we are not to dismiss our humanity so we need to attain our humanity with all the necessities that our humanity may have in the present moment, but again, with our eyes in the ultimate goal, in that service. So, again, <clears throat> okay, in other words, there is place for that. And I will say also that, again, going back to the idea of using absolutistic terms, like everything is in the Gita, everything is in Prophet's books, chant and be happy and so on. Uh, everything is in Shastra, you don't need to read any other book, and so on. That's, in one sense it's true, everything is in Shastra, but in another sense it's not true, in the sense that Shastra may describe some things in a general way, on a certain level, but some things may not be described because they pertain to certain modern phenomena that was not happening on the social dynamics five thousand years ago. Now, you won't find in, in the Rig Veda a description of how to deal with social media, basically. Uh, you may find <laughs> some general principles of how to deal with matter, with Maya Shakti, in such a way not to be overwhelmed. And in that sense, we can say, yeah, that, they are speaking about that in that sense, in a general way, but in a detailed way, hmm, regarding the specifics of each case and situation, that won't be there, because it's not part of the particular situation, where that revelation took place. So, there is a need for ongoing (coughs) uh, revelation, ongoing extension of the eternal ancient principles of Shastra, how those ancient and eternal principles play out in modernity, Mm -hmm. regarding whatever, gender issues, homosexuality, drug abuse, different types of psychological dysfunctionalities, uh, dealing with technology and social... So many things that in one sense... They are not described in detail in Shastra. But Parampara means the present members of the lineage have to keep upgrading, updating, not only developing the Siddhanta, but also knowing how to address modern day issues in that particular connection. So when we speak about psychology, that's the case. There are different types of psychology. Of course, in general ways, it has to do with mind, mind control and so on but different nuances of psychology are, are there for sure in different chapters and ages. So, there is a need to address that in further detail. So, there is a place for that in the life of a sadhaka. In the life of a sadhaka. The so, there is a place for that. And, <clears throat> and if, you are, if it's enough for you to go into the Gita, that's great. But again, be very careful not to impose... Your particular situation onto others because that's not actually the Gita, basically. (laughs) So, some ideas regarding we could continue, of course, but I already spoke quite a lot with this first one, so I don't want to overextend. There are some other questions, so let's continue with the question by Namrasan. It says, In a time when the world is so divided how do we, as devotees, stay united? Mm, that's his question. So, this is a nice question, of course. <clears throat> uh, and that should be a, a healthy concern, for sure, because sometimes the devotees may want to concentrate on saving the world... if you will... the world is so divided... the world is so much like this... we have to do this... and we have to do that... but they are not thinking about... how we can... that's the point... yeah. (laughs) but how we can get united... as the voters first... (laughs) I've seen that a lot... the voters speaking in terms of... saving the world... but... that actually... I'm not against that in one point... but the point is... strictly speaking... Uh, it's higher to save yourself basically Mm. because in one sense even the world you cannot save the world basically if you want to save the world means you don't understand the the dynamics of the Shristi Lila which will be here forever with this I'm not saying no need to be compassionate and so on but sometimes the idea of messianic idea I want to save the world to begin with I mean who are you to save the world? (laughs) Mm. First, be saved yourself, and then you, can do, you may do something for the rest. But the point is, sometimes when the vote is not all, but sometimes, many times, the vote to speak about preaching and, 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 and making the votes and saving the world, if you will, making the world Krishna conscious. <laughs> In many cases, that's more of an evasive, uh, maybe subconscious, but an evasive tendency of trying to save others, uh, but not dealing with their own case or by not dealing with their own, as you mentioned, community. dealing with the division that is in their, I don't know, mission or Parivar or Sampradaya. Mm. So if there is still considerable division among Gaudiya Vaishnavas, I I would say it's interesting to try to to, to heal that on some level, at least, before we try to end up with all division in the rest of the world. Because if you go to the rest of the world with the message of unity, they will tell, they will investigate a little bit and say, but you are a Gaudiya Vaishnava, right? Yes. Oh, but your your lineage is a mess. <laughs> so, you are not walking the talk, Prabhu. <laughs> so, first you have to, to do your homework, on some level at least. Again, the, pre- the question should be, how much I am doing my homework as much as I can. I may do my homework as, as much as I can and I may not change the whole Gaudiya Sampradaya, for sure. But at least if you really are trying to do your homework as much as you can in trying to f- bring further unity among the Gaudia community, that will naturally have some further impact in, in, in your other uh, unity attempts outside of the Gaudia circle. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say to, stop, to to have that clear, it will be a great beginning. I, I may stop my reply here, I would say something else. <laughs> But I am tempted to stop my reply here in the sense of making that point. Like before speaking about so many other things we can do, why not consider this particular situation, this particular idea? And, uh, and of course there are so many levels of that. Yesterday I was speaking with one disciple of Bhakti Charu Swami who came here and visit us and came to also greet me and we were speaking about some time, it was a nice talk. And he's really engaged into trying to bring some further unity among the Gaudiya Vaishnavas beyond his own uh, mission, um, and I appreciated that. And of course, he mentioned to me also, uh, uh, yes, it will be nice to bring more unity into the line of Sarasvat Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And I thought that's great. But also, it's great eventually to understand the Gaudiya Vaishnavas are not only those who come from the lineage of Bhakti Siddhanta, Sarasvat Thakur. No? Because sometimes we may also, like, of course, when we need to change something, we may have to limit our po- focus and work on that and gradually expand. Okay, Sarasvat lineage, Bhakti Nod Parivar, Gaudiya Sampradaya, the world, if you will, something like this. But but yeah, that's also an important point to, to have in mind because sometimes in the name of creating certain unity, we may be subtly I'm not, I'm not saying he was doing that, but sometimes we may think, yeah, we have to create unity in the Sarasvat lineas. And if someone says, but what about the other good the other circle? Oh, no, all of them are Sahajas. <laughs> and maybe that's not very generous, basically, because that's not necessarily true. You may be more Sahaja in some way than many other Vaishnavs in other circles. There are so many ways of being Sahajas, we spoke many times. <laughs> so... So I would say that to stay united as, as devotees basically the, the question includes the answer. No, we are devotees, I mean we are, we try on some level. So what makes ourselves devotees? What makes us being part of that particular denomination, devotees? There is something in common there, mm. There are some common goals, common ideals, so how much we are able to remain focus on that and not being distracted by the particularities of each individual mission, mood, and culture and how they sing Kirtan, how they recite the shlokas, how they, they conduct their mission. All this type of relative aspects sometimes become so absolute for us that we lose total sight of who the person is actually and how much we have in common and how much we are part of one big family, because that's what the Vedas say, mm-hmm. which basically means there is only one family. If you start to think in terms of more than one family, you start to promote sectarianism, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I will again try to pound the post of, of my first point because we as Goddess have such a high philosophy, such a developed theology, mm-hmm. and such a refined theistic conception, so sweet, uh, this detailed descriptions of post-liberated status, I mean, unparalleled contribution by Mahaprabhu and his followers, such, so high, but the point is, sometimes such a high, high, high thing, you become totally, like, I will say, uh, how to say, obscured, by really and immature and fanatical behaviors in the name of representing such a thing. So there is nothing more unbecoming than that, I will, at least for me. There is no more higher Udipana for Vivat Sarasa, hopefully you follow my point, that's <laughs> such a thing. In other words, there is no higher stimulant for the experience of disgust, <laughs> that having someone representing the most refined ideal in the most dysfunctional way. Mm. You follow? Mm. From lip service, from mouth out, you are speaking some high things, but in practice, we are we, we may we're walking in the street, and if you see someone coming that is from another mission, you cross to the other side of the street, or you look to another part, so, like, if, if you don't, haven't seen the... I'm not saying everyone is doing that, for sure. And, and, and of course, I have hope that there is... Uh, the possibility of change, because, I, 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 I mean, if not what we are doing here. <laughs> so, but yes, yeah, still that situation is there. So I will really emphasize uh, about this necessity mm, to get united as, as godius mm, in our identity, mm, in our identity as Godias, uh, as being part, in getting together in that sense. I mean, we will be, still belong to different missions, institutions, and modes, and gurus, and lineages, and all the things. But there is some unity in that diversity. If you, don't, if you are not able to establish the unity in the diversity, there will only remain diversity. And if there is only diversity, means there will be only conflict, division, duality. All the, all the things that we are supposed to transcend in our practice, <laughs> we may be promoting them through our practice, <laughs> quote-unquote, practice sometimes in the name of practicing spiritual life that practicing spiritual life may be the best excuse not to practice spiritual life. Mm -hmm. So it's important, so important to to to, to establish some underlying unity, underlying proper understanding of the universality, for example, of Guru Tatva. That has to do with this idea. Stop thinking in terms of my Guru, your Guru. Of course, there is my Guru, your Guru on one level, but on a more foundational level there is, a uh, guru is only one.
1: Mm.
0: Guru Tatva is a, a principle, it's a Tattva. it's a department, it's a metaphysical, ontological reality that, that expresses itself through so many representatives but at the same time there, there is this unified, unified rep- aspect of that. So we should bear in mind the two of them, unity and diversity, unity and diversity. Mm. So this is not just words, but of course we need to think about this type of words as well. We, we need to really ruminate on them and, and play them, them out in our relationships with our other bison. And again, maybe with this I'm not saying immediately go and try to develop deeper links with all the Gaudiya mats or something. Because for sure, to begin with, you may have some things to harmonize in your own community. <laughs> In your own in your, in your own mission in, with your own God siblings so let's start home mm-hmm. and from there gradually expand and expand and expand so but we have to show some concern for that basically mm-hmm. so the common ideal is that's a whole idea of community communities we are united common unity we are united with a common goal and that common ideal is so powerful so harmonizing so beautiful that it can accommodate everything and everyone. That's the house in which the whole world can live, that Prabhupada mentioned. <laughs> he has constructed. But we, we should live in that house without jumping to each other's necks, basically, you know? but in harmony and, and at least trying to, to, to develop that. Okay, some thoughts. I, 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 will say, I can say many other things, but I would prefer to focus on that particular point. Sakirati and Devi and Shyamnanda has some question. You raise your hand. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. you. I have a question that it's um, kind of related with what you just said, answering the two questions. And um, it's like, I notice, and it's my personal opinion, that like amongst devotees, there is a kind of gap <coughs> in the in the progress we do. Like, for example, um, Shint uh, Shintai's temples, which are also based on that, De- and. Earth in shintoist temples can you repeat like, because the,
0: the streaming was stopped for a second
2: okay i was saying that like for example in shintoism huh. in their temples like there are at least uh, in most of them there are kind of thousand steps to walk to reach the temple to understand how uh, how much effort you have to put in it and to uh, and to that, they have a very strict sadhana. Also, Buddhist monks, they really start like um, a very strong sadhana. They learn these to identify themselves. But uh, with the devotees, I feel like there is not this background that there is an. Able- and in the uh, society, um, mm-hmm. uh, with came. Wow. So there is a Western background, and I feel like there is a kind of gap, like, like elementary school, they step, we step already to uh, Without really go through all the phases, like learn who we really are, learn how to identify ourselves in bhakti, and how to practice, and what is really sadhana, and how to move bhakti. So, oh, Okay, solution.
1: Hmm.
0: The streaming was quite interrupted. I, I think I get I got the gist of your question. I don't. I think it's most my connection that than yours. But what to do? I'm in India. <laughs> but I think I got the idea. So I'll try to reply something. And you let me know if I skipped some important part. So <clears throat> yeah, I will say that of course it's it's nice to to look at other traditions, and to be inspired by them but also it, it may be a tricky thing in the sense of sometimes, of course, we may, we, it may be almost unavoidable for most of us to compare.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in the comparison, generally, in our mind works like this is better than this. I'm not saying you are working like that, but generally that can happen. So, you may go to some, whatever, as you mentioned, Buddhist monastery in Tibet, let's say, (laughs) and you will see okay, they are so strict doing this and that, or you go to some, I don't know, very intense Catholic also monasteries, Christian monasteries, and you will read, oh my God, they are so intense in this and that, and Gaudiyas are not like that. So, one may think, why we are not like that? And of course, they may visit us and think differently. They are oh, we are not like them. Why well, we are not like them? <laughs> and everyone may be thinking something similar from the different place. And of course, the, the whole idea is not that is that anyone is. The idea is that nobody feels disturbed not by that comparison, if you will, but actually appreciate there are different lineages, different sadhanas, and different sadhyas, different goals. So there are different ways of approaching the goal, different emphasis. For example, in, in many traditions, some such as some of the ones you mentioned, there is quite a lot of emphasis in, in, in Bairagya, you know, in detachment, in renunciation, in austerity. Uh, and in Bhakti, there may not be that emphasis, at least on that degree. And of course, what, why that is so? Because Bhakti according to us, is the most powerful uh, thing, the most powerful Shakti, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, in that sense, by invoking Bhakti into our lives, there is not need the need to engage in certain things that without Bhakti, you may need to attain your particular goal, which may not be too related to Bhakti either, but which may need some Bhakti at least, as we know, for, for it to bear its fruit. Mm-hmm. So that's also an important point. But of course that idea can also be abused. Because we can say, no, I'm, I'm practicing bhakti. So bhakti is so powerful that I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to, to make any sacrifice, to make any efforts. <laughs> Sometimes we may say, I don't need to do any tapasya and baragya. But actually what we are saying is, I don't want to do any sacrifice or effort. In other words, you are saying, I'm lazy. <laughs> you, are, don't, you are not saying that. You are just saying... Bhakti is so powerful. It seems you have so much faith in Bhakti. (laughs) But actually one is just uh, being evasive in the name of glorifying Bhakti. And that's of course not the idea. Because as our Guru emphasizes also, yeah, there is a lot of mercy in the process, for example, we speak a lot about Kripa. But again, it doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. There is a a lot of effort uh, implied in our project in order to really appreciate the Kripa, basically. As I, as I like to say, if you want to live your life by sustaining a costless grace, that's the most difficult thing to do, because it means you have to acknowledge that you are receiving something that you will never deserve, no matter what you do. So that requires lots of effort to remain humble, <laughs> to deal with something that for eternity you will never deserve. So if you really properly understand, there is some particular effort. Again, I'm not saying everyone is doing that. Because as, if, as with every tradition, most of its practitioners may not be really quite engaged. Even you may speak about Buddhism. It's not that most of the Buddhists are monastics living in the mountain. You can see so many Western Buddhists, quote-unquote, that mainly take Buddhism as a, as a device, as a tool. Okay, I will do my mindfulness now. And they, they identify, yes, I'm Buddhist. But they kind of resort to that, to calm their mind a little bit. Or Christian people that will just go to church on Sunday, so they pray to God for whatever they need. Krishna says the same in the Gita. Arta tigani Most people will approach me with certain personal desires of wealth and so on. Karma Kanda. So, the point is, most of the people, as my Guru will say, may be religious, but the mystics are, are the few ones. So, it's not that our path is not promoting that, but it may be only that we don't want to be those type of people. <laughs> because the point is what, is, what is like impeding, impeding is in English? What is not allowing me to be a mystic? I mean, if I want, I can do that. I mean, if I even would like to to be a mystic in, in, in the abaduta model and go to the cave and whatever... Of course, I wouldn't say that you can choose to be an abaduta. I mean, abaduta is someone like... It's not like, okay, I will be an abaduta. <laughs> I mean, abaduta means you are crazy in love for God and you behave in a total particular way. So you cannot just press a button and enter there. But my point is, if someone would like to, to have a particular mystic approach to one's tradition, there's nothing that will be an impediment to that, but the point is, we may not want that. Mm. So that's an important aspect. But, and of course, as we know, in, in, in Gaudiya Vedanta, there's not that much emphasis into Bairagya, Jn, austerity, because Jn, karma, and Abritan, that can somehow uh, cover, mm. if you will, uh, one's Bhakti project and even make the heart harder. So we want to melt our heart and for us, Bhakti is the, the greatest priority in that connection. Again, we are to, to learn from other uh, traditions and, and and actually, if we pay, pay proper attention to what Shastra says and to the life of the saints, if you pay attention to the life of the Goswamis who are our role model, I mean, you have all those things in one way or another, maybe not in, in the particular Format you find in Shintoism or Buddhism, but in the Gaudiya format, there is, I mean, thousands of dandavats per day, chanting certain number of rounds, a certain level of humility and self-discipline, and and so much austerity, but coming as a byproduct of bhakti, which is another thing. No? So again, we are to follow the Goswamis as much as we can. Again, we are not to imitate them, but they are our role model. But the point again is. How much I am willing to follow the Goswamis. So, again, this is a question we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis without paranoia, but remaining realistic and objective and not getting discouraged like nobody else in Gaudiya Vedanta is doing what the Goswamis are doing. And the question, of course, immediately will the, the, the wind will ask you back, and what about you? <laughs> no? um, and you will have to say, well, and we don't want to play victim consciousness. No? Sometimes we want the whole world to be an ideal example. and Only then I will join. Something like that. <laughs> so call me when everyone became a Mahabhagavat so I joined the party or something. But it doesn't work like that. And, and and for sure, we if we have that sincere desire, of course we may need the contact of at least one of those great personalities. One may be more than enough. But again, the question is, what I'm doing with that one? And how much commitment I am investing in, in in that in that connection? How much I'm giving myself in that connection? Again, not to get discouraged, just to be objective, sincere, and see where I am, see where I could, where I should be, or I could be eventually to reach that platform, uh, and so on. Mm. So, so it's like that. Because again, if if not. It can be distracting also, no? if, if in certain stages we look too much at other traditions, that can be also distracting. Mm. So, so, there is a way for, in the beginning we may have to be more exclusive, if you will, more sectarian. There is place for that, in, in, in being a Kanista Bhakta, you need to focus on this is the teaching. Like Prabhupada would say, I put a fence around you, do not look anyone else, pay attention now here. And eventually when you grow, you will realize, oh, there are some other things. But you have some grounding that will allow you not to be disturbed, not to be distracted. But how others are doing their things, but to draw inspiration from that and nourish your own faith in your path, which is a whole art. It's not so easy. You know, to go to Buddhist temple, I'll increase your your godya strada, if you will. You know? <laughs> it, that should be the idea. You know, it's not that you go to temple and I start to wonder, maybe I should become a Buddhist and leave my my gurdev and no no it doesn't work like this but eventually when you even become above this medium stage where you are able to integrate and learn from anywhere you will again become more sectarian in a transcendental way i will say you will become more totally absorbed and identify with your own path not not criticizing any others but not having time at that point to <laughs> to to deal with other processes and, and learn from that you'll be learning too much from what is already coming from your own process. So, <clears throat> we should know where we are in, in that particular ladder and, and, and act accordingly. I don't know if that helps and if I heard part of your question or something, but I hope something is, is useful there. <clears throat> okay, we have some few minutes. Uh, let's. I will go to the second question made by Balaram Prabhu and then I see I have some others in the chat so maybe I may reply them a little bit quicker now so the second question from Balaram is following on from last week's discussion how do we know when a preaching strategy has reached its shelf life and should be given up and will it be better not to use such strategies knowing that future generations might misunderstand them well we spoke about that a little bit these last days, of course, I know that's a pretty traumatic term for some, I'm considering ad- adjusting that and using some other words, like outreach technique or circumstantial adjustment or whatever. And by the, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm also like honing my own stance regarding what I mentioned concerning why I think that Acharyas like Bhakti Nautaku and Nottakran others at times may have seemed to say that Bhakti is inherent or not. Not, of course, to the point of thinking that Bhakti is in there, <laughs> but really trying to consider more nuanced possibilities regarding the background of their words at that time. But, of course, that said, still we know that there has been, in the past, in our Gaudiya history and beyond that, what we may call preaching strategies of outreach techniques. No? For example, when we spoke about uh, Srila Prabhupada mentioning that we fall from Golokrindavan at times I mean some may not agree with that but for me that's an, a particular technique I mean that's a circumstantial adjustment he say that in a particular situation to a particular audience so and again that's not to be we we are not to we are not onplaying him for saying that no? because as I mentioned the other day some devotees the will feel if you uh like, yeah, if you, like, what's the word, suggest <clears throat> that some of our chairs may have presented that, you are totally downplaying him. But that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because for presenting a, 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 a teaching scheme or device, you have to have some also compassion and genius and so many qualities. So, there's place for doing that in the country, glorifying that person. So how do we know when that preaching strategy reached the shelf life? Of course it will depend in each particular case because what you are saying to whom and, and, and was like the example I gave of the mother speaking to his child to her child and telling a story brought you through the chimney so there's, there's a shelf life for that and the shelf life may last till I don't know whenever the child is in, in time to, to know about the particular dynamics of sexual intercourse and how pregnancy is coming through that and so on. There's a particular moment that generally we can start to speak about that to children. So that's an example of knowing when. So similarly, I don't know, a guru may be telling to one disciple something, a particular stage, but also following the case uh, in a personal way, closely, and thus seeing the disciple's progress and how he or she's Processing the understanding and knowing when to present a more refined version of that. Again, it's not some universal law. It should stop here. Because every outreach technique will be different. Different things will be said, adjusted in particular terms, moments to different people. It's so so individual, so specific. So, that's one part of the question. And then it says, will it be better not to use such strategies, knowing that future generation might misunderstand them? Yeah, there is a place for that. I actually also mentioned that idea. At one point I say that I feel that the preaching strategy for nowadays is no more preaching strategies. <laughs> in the sense of... Of course, with this I'm not saying... I, I, I'm not saying no preaching strategies in every single way, because in some very specific situation in some whatever country and circumstance, one particular sadhu is with a particular person, um, may need to adjust something for a particular moment, and it's not that I'm forbidding that. But yeah, at least with, with some of this, these things that, for example, fall from Golok, that at some time, at least personally, I know that not everyone will agree with that, but I know that many will, Prabhupada said that in the context of preaching strategy because he very clearly said nobody falls from Vaikuntha, but he said otherwise as well, and the two can go together in this case. So, <clears throat> I mean, I think that particular, for example, outreach technique already has, had, has expired. His shell life has expired in the sense that all the devotees are diff- new generations of devotees are coming, knowing, hearing from other sadhus. Social media days, there are is, is so much analysis available now, so many further, so many other more books translated, explaining in further detail this particular tatwa, which is a very different situation than the one that Srila Prabhupada was in more than 50 years back, basically, or approximately. Mm-hmm. Dealing with an audience that never heard with Gaudiya, about Gaudiya Vedanta, we not in connection with other Gaudiyas, <laughs> and we're having certain particular Uh, some scar from their own tradition, culture, psychology. So, again, in 50 years, so many things happen, especially nowadays that time goes so quick. In 50 years of now, more things happen than in three centuries, one century back or something. Mm -hmm. So, yes, in that sense, I I will suggest that in terms of those type of uh, devices that have been invoked some decades back, like the one I mentioned and some others maybe, uh, it's a good moment for trying to emphasize to the, in the Gaudiya community the, the knowing of Siddhanta and of course before emphasizing the knowing of Siddhanta we have to know the Siddhanta right? <laughs> because some devotees do not don't know the Siddhanta no? and some leaders do not know the Siddhanta unfortunately I was speaking about with one devotee recently he told me Maharaj nice that you are young sannyasi and you you are really trying to learn Shastra and so on. I'm not that young, and I'm not that learned, <laughs> and I'm not that sannyasi, but well, I'm trying to do my best. Or maybe I'm not even trying to do my best. I will have to be realistic, so hopefully I may try. But but he was telling me, unfortunately, in my particular group, many of the sannyas or even gurus, are not very much like drenched in Shastra. So, of course, I thought, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate because if you are occupying a particular position, like being a guru or a sannyasi, your main focus should be achar and prachar, basically. To have a proper conduct, that means to be concept, properly absorbed in sadhana, and prachar means to be engaged in study, because you have to know what to do. You have to preach on, on the basis of scripture, you have, you have to foster shastriya-strada in your audience. And for, that implies you will get to know the Siddhanta, maybe you will get to know some other things on the way that, <clears throat> that do not fit with Siddhanta. So you need to exercise your, your, mm. your capacity, your logic and your, so many things to accommodate that. Now, this is connected with another question here I see from Anil. He says, how to reconcile contradictory statements and outrageous statements made by Acharyas. So that's a little bit in connection, that's why i mentioned this question now. Of course there are different things that the chariots say, by operations I will need some particular example. Because there are so many things and we need to understand all of them in their unique particular context. We cannot just like generalize and put them out of context. For example, Sala Prophet say some strong things about his God brothers. Uh, but also, he says so many beautiful things about his God brothers. You know, once one, the Buddha sent me a link with all the things that Prabhupada, a compilation of the letters that Prabhupada spoke strongly about his God brothers, criticizing him. <laughs> and it was really strong. But then he sent me another link when he spoke very beautiful things about his good brothers, and it was really strongly beautiful. So the point is, you have to put the two things in the scale, it's not just picking cherry-picking the one that you like the most to make your case, because I think Namrasa recently said that. Some the devotees, they will just look for that particular letter that will just justify their particular point and that's all. But that's not how we are trying to this uh, find Siddhanta, you have to engage in Sangati or reconciliation of apparently opposing statements and so on, it's not just cherry-picking. Mm-hmm. So I will say, basically, to begin with, we have to have that disposition hmm, to harmonize. And of course, we need certain guidance, certain maturity to engage in that. Not everyone is, has this, the duty or the capacity to do that. Hmm. But there is the need to do that. At least we, we should to be, begin feeling the need of doing that. Hmm. So after that, yes, we have to first of all know what's the Siddhanta, as established by our Shastra Gurus, the founding acharya of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, the six Goswamis. We have to have that to put everything else in context. So whatever other acharyas have said that may not fit what the original revelation of the Gaudiya Sampradaya revealed, that's to be seen in a particular life. Whatever may be that light, I cannot tell you because I'm speaking in a general way. But first we have to start with some like common canon, canonical scriptural authority, Praman, what we call, in order to have a dialogue on what has been said after that, how to understand, how to reconcile. Sometimes devotees are not very willing to do this exercise, so that will only end in some struggle in social media basically and some shouting to each other and that's totally like <laughs> irrelevant basically, it's not making any, any substantial contribution to our lives, to the Bodhisattva <laughs> and so on. So we need to take the time, and this is a tapasya, this is a real tapasya, this takes energy, this takes thinking, this takes humility, this takes so many things to invest, to take the time and energy to investigate and research and harmonize and honor and not disrespect anyone, and, and, <clears throat> and, and, and maybe even reaching some points where you are not able to fully grasp some things and you have to just resort to prayer and hopefully Krishna will reveal and, and that shouldn't disturb your faith at the same time I mean there are, and there may be some complex chapters of the puzzle mm-hmm. again for that we also need the, the shelter and association of, of higher advanced Vaishnavs that we can also take shelter in and find some wrappers uh, in, in, in those connections or things like this I, I hope that helps Anil Again, it was a general reply because the question was general, without the specific cases. If so, if if not, we can go more specifically. So there's one more question, so I will finish with this one, from Madan Mohan Prabhu. It's in Spanish, so I will read it in English. Uh, I hope you speak English as well, because it's in English, as you can see. How he says? How to transcend or be purified from the tendency to, to philosophical speculation, Gyan mistra bhakti. And surrender oneself to Krishna with a simple heart, only with the desire of serving Him and pleasing Him and without trying to understand everything with the intellect. I'm asking this because I have that tendency very much strongly present in me. Okay, you are not alone in the club, Madam Mohan, so... <laughs> To begin with, do not feel isolated, and uh, I will say that, (laughs) going back to my first uh, answer, we have to be careful of not being simplistic and reductionistic here, and trying to, in the name of having a simple heart, stop thinking, because yeah, we, we speak about Gyan Mishra Bhakti, how we hear the goal is Gyan-sanya-bhakti, dha and so on. But this is not just like, again, pressing a button and we are there. We actually need to engage. That's the real challenge. If you have an intellectual tendency, let's say, you are speaking about surrendering to Krishna. But surrendering with Krishna with a simple heart means actually surrendering all our functions before we surrender our heart, I will say, in one sense, of course, in one sense it begins in the heart. <laughs> no? The heart is touched by the sadhu; something happens there, uh, and we want to give ourselves. But when we say, "Okay, I will want to give myself," you then start to realize, "Okay, how do I do that in practice?" You have you try to engage your senses, and mind, and intellect. In the context of giving pleasure to Krishna, that's the very definition of sadhana bhakti. We are sadhakas, we are supposed to engage in sadhana. And sadhana is krita sadhya sadhya
1: siddhasya
0: bhavasya Sadhyata The very definition of sadhana bhakti means to engage your senses, and by extension senses mean also mind, intellect in a favourable way, way for the pleasure of the Lord of the senses, Bhakti So we are not to be, be evasive in the name of intellect. I mean, we have an intellect, we have to do something with that. It's not just kill your head, basically. Stop thinking, become numb, numb and just love Krishna from the heart. That may be just a sentimental proposal. Of course, if you are not too intellectual, you don't need to force yourself to be intellectual. Because it's not that being intellectual represent higher Adhikaran Bhakti. It has nothing to do with that. Higher Adhikaran Bhakti basically has to do with engaging, my surrendering my nature, whatever that may be, in a tasteful way for the pleasure of my ista dead. So if you have an intellectual nature, surrendering, surrender your intellect to Bhagavan. If you have a not-so-intellectual nature, surrender that not-so-intellectual part for the pleasure of Bhagavan. I mean... <clears throat> so, that's and that's how the, the, the intellect and the mind gradually will become captured, basically, by being engaged in Bhakti and therefore acquiring Bhakti some scars and purifying, mm-hmm. purifying each one of these different aspects of our gross and subtle bodies. It's not about neglecting them, but it's about engaging them. Mm-hmm. So, transcending, of course, transcending the tendency for philosophical speculation basically means knowing the Siddhanta. Mm. 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 But actually, you you compare philosophical speculation with Gyan-Misra-Bhakti, uh, At one level it can be connected, At one level it can be something different. Mm. Not necessarily the same thing. Mm. Because philosophical speculation may be basically I'm I'm just trying to understand things through my head mm. and again, Mishra Bhakti may be I'm I'm practicing bhakti mm. but still I have some tendency to I don't know
1: mm.
0: to nourish my intellect my intellect with something that is not bhakti mm. or uh, I'm not fully in, in the platform of seeing Krishna not as God. So still there is some Jnana mixed there. I have the Bhagavad Jnana. I am aware that Krishna is God. That's also a form of Jnana, with Bhakti. Jnana, Sunya Bhakti is there is no Jnana whatsoever in my Bhakti. Not even the Jnana, the knowledge that Krishna is God. That's a as standard, if you will. Brain-dead Bhakti, as Srila Siddha Maharaj called. call. <laughs> Brain-dead Bhakti. And my Guru Maharaj, in this connection, he always likes to quote, since we invoked Chilasidha Maharaj, his successor, Bhakti Baktisundar Bhakti Sundar Govinda Maharaj, who once said, he was given a whole lecture about the necessity of this Gyan Bhakti and the importance of the heart above the head and, then, and not getting, getting entangled in, in one's own intellect. But in the context of presenting his point, he was quoting one verse after another from Shastra. He was invoking Shastra constantly, so he was showing a, a super V, standard of knowledge and using his intellect, but in the context of revelation with the purpose of this conclusion, Gyan Sunya Bhakti. So my Guru Maharaj will say in those terms, no? try to use your head, but to soften your heart. But do not try to soften your heart without using your head, that may end up in sentimentalism. So, surrender to Krishna means, again, engaging your functions for His pleasure. Mm. Mm. And, and as I mentioned before, to reach simple heart, sometimes we first have to integrate some complexity, mm. and sometimes intellect has to do with that. Mm. Mm. So, it's important to learn how to integrate complexity, how to deal with all those things, and learning to engage everything in the context of bhakti. And gradually, mm. we will become simple, not simplistic, Be careful with being simplistic. Try to remain, to become more and more simple. Mm -hmm. So it's not so easy. Again, the goal is to, yeah, only have the desire to serve and please Krishna. I mean, sometimes the devotees may, how to say, may get discouraged because they realize, I don't have that desire and I should have that desire. But probably you shouldn't have that desire at this present stage because that type of desire corresponds with the higher Stage that you are not in now. So if you are in an artani britain Bhajana Kriya, probably you shouldn't just force yourself, I should be feeling only to please Krishna without a, a, a hint of selfishness. That won't happen in that stage. Of course, you should understand that's the goal to attain and I want to walk in that direction. But I cannot just expect that to happen in my present chapter and I shouldn't get discouraged because that's not happening in my present chapter, I should be intelligent enough, use my intelligence to understand the symptoms of each step of the ladder and understand when that will happen. And in that case, cry when that will happen. kabi Havi, when, oh when, oh when, <laughs> basically. And of course, one last thing will be, of course, trying to to work under the guidance of, 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 of Tri Guru and a Vaishnav in proximity, in close Manner because that's also a, a very important way to to let our intellect be harnessed mm-hmm. and, 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 and be engaged in seva, also. No? Not only every, all, that's something that helps a lot people who have lots of intellectual tendency also to stop for a minute and to engage in some simple menial services for the pleasure of the you know That's a, a good way of, of, of grounding, mm-hmm. if you will, ourselves in, in reality and not getting too much like flying in the sky with our intellect <laughs> even if we may be engaging that in seva but sometimes we need a rest from that and i i, I can tell you i know what that means i, I need that on a daily basis <laughs> so it's important to to yeah to balance all the things that we should be yeah introspective about knowing our own limits and our own necessities which is my capacity, when I should put pause in my intellect, when I should engage in more even, if you will, physical gross level in Seva, or when I should recreate, as we mentioned before, one should be regulated in recreation in this and that and that. And what's recreation for me is not maybe recreation for you. And Vishwanath Chakvaritakur said, recreation for a yogi is wake up from the cave and go for a walk and return to the cave. <laughs> So that may not be enough recreation for most of us, no? Recreation, I will walk two blocks, return. That was my weekly recreation, no? So everyone has to really know how to do all the things in a balanced way. And that requires observation, sincerity, introspection. So some ideas, I hope that helps. And we are almost reaching an hour and a half. so, So I think... We have a good amount of questions today and on different topics. So I appreciate the presence of all of you and and your contribution in the form of different inquiries. So thank you so much and I hope to see you all um, next week. For sure, I wish you a very ecstatic, happy Sriradastami next Monday as well. And hope to see you soon. Srila Gurudev, Ki Jai. Shri Mahaprabhu ki Sri Shri Haninam Sankirtan ki jaya, Sri Shri Yaganat Baladhetra Vadare ki jaya, Kaur Bhakta Vrindha ki jaya,